This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I am your host, Laura Lummer, and you are in for a great show today. You're going to meet two amazing women, Leslie Glenn, who is a metastatic breast cancer survivor, and Marissa Garavito, who is her business partner in an amazing event held here every October in Southern California called Climb for a Cure, which raises funds to support researching a cure for metastatic disease. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about both of these women, and then you're going to hear about how you can get involved in this event if you want to volunteer, if you live locally here in Southern California and you want to participate. It's going to be a lot of fun. And before I get any further into that, I just want to give a shout out to Jory Sawan. Jory, which I think is actually your name and not just a handle, left a wonderful review for the podcast, and I just want to share it with you because it's so meaningful. Jory says, excellent recovery coach. I'm a young breast cancer survivor diagnosed at 34, and this podcast has literally saved me from feeling completely alone through this journey. I enjoy every single episode and look forward to spending my morning commute with Laura. I love that. Please keep this podcast going. There are so many women, young, old, and in between, that are struggling to fit into their life after cancer. It is a terrible disease that robs women of so much. This podcast has encouraged me to stay active, eat better, and above all else, be kind and patient with myself. I truly cannot thank you enough. Bravo, Laura. Thank you so, so much, Jory. And I... I had to read this several times before I could actually read it on air because it just choked me up to know that you find that support, but you actually find things that are actionable for you, that you can implement in your life that make you feel better and help you to feel included and not alone. And I'm so incredibly happy to hear that. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to leave that review. And I have no intention of letting this podcast go by the wayside. So I will continue and I'll think of you. If you also out there are listening and you enjoy listening to the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach, it would mean so much to me if you could find the time to just leave a quick review Uh, leave a few stars, an honest review for the show. It's so incredibly helpful. So moving on, I want to tell you a little bit more about Leslie Glenn and Marissa Garavito. So Leslie was diagnosed with early stage 2B breast cancer in 2012, and then with incurable stage 4 metastatic breast cancer with disease in her bones in May of 2013. But Leslie has not let her cancer determine her life's path. She and her husband of 27 years live in Southern Oregon. And you're going to hear a great story about that and how she got there. 
She loves the outdoors and especially hiking and backpacking. Leslie's been an advocate within the metastatic breast cancer community for over five years now, and she was recently awarded the Living Beyond Breast Cancer Volunteer Leadership Award in the fall of 2018. Leslie has written for numerous publications. She's been featured in national magazines, and she has also had the opportunity to speak for national campaigns on new treatments for stage four metastatic breast cancer, as well as being a peer reviewer for research grants. Leslie's passion, her motivation, and her personal experience of living with disease really drive her desire to partner with communities and organizations in aiding the funding of research for a cure. She wants to bring awareness to this overlooked stage of breast cancer and bring support to those who live daily with metastatic breast cancer. She's an amazing woman. You guys are going to love listening to her. Now, Marissa Garavito is Leslie's business partner, and Marissa is the most inspiring, energetic woman you could possibly imagine. I met Marissa through a mastermind group that we were both involved in, and I was so inspired by her and her story and the event that she and her partner put on, Climb for a Cure. Marissa is a former bikini competitor and fitness professional, But because of this woman's big heart and her amazing soul, she wanted to go beyond just working out. So she not only became a lifestyle coach to support women in their holistic life, but she uses her business to really be connected to her community, to raise funds for Autism Speaks and the American Cancer Society. And she has co-founded this annual Climb for a Cure, which she is super proud of and should be because it's an incredible event You're going to hear a lot about it, and I am going to post links so you can read even more about Marissa, about Climb for a Cure, and find out how you can get involved as well. And I think by the end of this show, you're going to be so inspired and so motivated to live your best life, to do the things you're passionate about, and to not put them off for another day after listening to these incredible women. And you're going to want to be out there on October 26th climbing for a cure. So without making you wait any longer, let's talk with Leslie and Marissa. Leslie and Marissa, welcome to the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. And thank you so much for joining me today. I'm I'm super honored to have you guys here. And I'm really excited to talk on this show about living with metastatic disease and how you can live a fulfilling and happy life. And what you two have done to try to make a difference in the way that we look at metastatic disease and how we can support research in this area. So let's hear about your story. Marissa, how did you and Leslie become business partners? Me and Leslie became business partners now almost six years ago now, um, starting our first climb in 2015, um, wanting to do something more than just bring awareness to breast cancer, um, but actually start funding research because there is no cure when somebody has metastatic breast cancer. So, And let's define really quickly, what does metastatic breast cancer mean, Leslie? (laughs) So metastatic breast cancer is basically breast cancer that has gone um, outside of your breast, outside of your lymph nodes, into other areas of your body to vital organs. Um, such as your liver, lungs, brain, and your bones. Okay. 
And so in October, we wear pink shoes, we wear pink t-shirts, we distribute pink ribbons everywhere. But what's the difference, do you think, between really breast cancer awareness and this raising understanding to what metastatic disease is and how it impacts us? Well, I think Leslie just really sh- like shined a light on the situation. Um, I think I was in the bubble that everyone is currently in and thinking because I participate in a walk or because I buy something that the NFL is supporting, I am doing my job or I am, I am helping those with breast cancer. But in reality, like when I started talking to Leslie, I was like, I'm not doing anything special. I'm not really changing the game or trying to enlighten um, the general population on, on like what's really going on. So I think her truth and her vulnerability and saying like, no, there's so much more to this. And I think the fact when she told me only 7% of funds in October go to actual research, like that blew my mind. And so knowing that, you know, we have a voice and even if it's a small voice and if it starts small, at least we can decide what we want to do with the funds that are raised. And we have the input and me and Leslie can make the decisions on how we can actually try to better, better the, I guess, the community and just enlighten people and educate people on what's really going on. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about that because I think that what you said is a really good point. Most people think when we talk about breast cancer awareness, it's like, oh my gosh, check for lumps. And we have so little understanding of what goes on beyond finding that lump. So Leslie, I want to hear your story. Let's share your story with everybody. Okay. So um, I was the one that found my lump back in 2012. Um, and I mean, I had done everything right. You know, uh, we discussed this before I was eating, right. I moved my body. I was at my ideal weight. Um, and you know, had my annual mammograms. I was 47. At first I was diagnosed, um, stage two B. Um, when you're diagnosed with breast cancer, they automatically will, um, make you go do all these scans. So I'd had bone scans and CT scans. I had a PET CT. Um, at that time, um, they had already found hot spots in my body. So it was already presumed that I was metastatic at that point. However, because of the trickiness of where um, they saw the hot spots, they needed to biopsy it to number one, make sure that it was cancer, and number two, to make sure that if it was cancer, that it was breast cancer oh. um, and not some secondary cancer. Okay. Um, however, the biggest tumor that I had was in my shoulder, and it took approximately six months to find an orthopedic surgeon to agree to do it because everyone else was afraid that if they went in there, that I would lose mobility of my arm. Um, so I was... Um, biopsied in May of 2013 and then diagnosed stage four shortly after. Um, And you've been going through treatment for a year already since the initial diagnosis of 2B? Yeah. So I was diagnosed 2B um, the day before Thanksgiving in 2012. We immediately started me on chemotherapy. I was put on um, AC, which is known as the red devil. Yes. Um, which is like the worst chemotherapy out there. 
Um, and the reason why is they were saying, okay, well, we, let's shrink the tumor first before we go and we give you, you know, surgery and a double mastectomy and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, but that almost killed me. So we stopped doing that. And I pretty much um, orchestrated since then my whole treatment since then, um, because that's just who I am. So yeah, so I was diagnosed stage four in May of 2013. I did, I refused chemo after that. Um, I decided to have a lumpectomy instead of um, um, having a mastectomy, which was my personal choice. Um, I did agree to have radiation. So I had 53, no, 34, no, 35. Um, um, courses of radiation. 35 then, courses of radiation. Yes. Wow, that's a lot. Um, every single day, five days a week. And then I wow. had what they call, they call it like a super shot. So I had like super shots into my shoulder um, to try and to get rid of the biggest tumor there. My other hot spots in my pelvis had disappeared. So they had said, okay, well, maybe that was because of the chemo. So maybe the chemo did something good because yeah. it didn't, it didn't even shrink my lump. Um, so and when you, when you stopped the AC chemo, you, you stopped chemo altogether. You just didn't switch oh, yeah. to other chemotherapy uh -oh. agents. I said, okay. nope. What I loved is that you said you are your own advocate and you yes. decided what was working for you. Yes. Yeah. Quality of life is everything to me. Um, and it's my body and it's my life and I should have a say so and how I want to live it. Um, so um, from there, um, I, I was getting healthier. Um, I was just, I was a hot mess. You should see pictures of me um, coming out of treatment. Um, and my husband had taken me to Yosemite and I could barely even walk a mile, like barely. Um, and I was watching all these hikers come off of the John Muir trail mm -hmm. and I sat there and I said, doggone it. I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to train and I am going to do something of that caliber. Yeah. Um, so I went back home. I decided to climb Mount Whitney, um, which is the highest mountain in the contiguous United States. Yeah. I trained for seven months, dragged along two of my friends, and summited it on my first try, um, which people wow. don't ever do. Wow. And um, were you going through treatment at this time, or what was happening? With oh, yeah. I, you never stop going through treatment. It just so what treatments as, were you having while you were climbing so, Mount Whitney? So by then, I was just on um, an aromatase inhibitor, and actually, okay. I was on tamoxifen for about a year. And then when I started having murderous thoughts, I'm like, maybe we should change. Hmm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you mean murderous thoughts are bad? <laughs> the honesty right here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think this is working for me. So um, we actually changed me to letrozole. And so that was more, it was kinder yeah. <laughs> to my <Kind> hormones. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I was on treatment um, during that time, and that's, that's when awesome. I, fell, I fell in love with the outdoors. I fell in love with backpacking and hiking, and that's where um, we came up with Climb for a Cure. So okay, so yeah, so let's talk about Climb for a Cure. What is Climb for a Cure? Climb for a Cure is an event we have hosted for the past. Well, this is our fifth year. And it's a small hike in a diamond bar 
where people come together to raise funds for awareness, support, and research of stage four metastatic breast cancer. That's awesome. And why is it so important, you guys, to have targeted, I guess I'm going to say targeted, um, fundraising to know that this is what's happening with my money. Like what happens when we go out to all of these breast cancer events throughout October when we buy pink things everywhere, everywhere, what happens to that money? Only 7% will go to research for a cure. 7% of the billions of dollars that are raised will go to research. Why? Where does the rest of it go? Awareness then. I'm all... In their pockets. In their pockets. I I think what people fail to understand is that you go into a grocery store and you're going to buy your YoPlay yogurt and it's got a pink ribbon on the top of it. Um, Most of these large companies have already decided, number one, how much they're going to give to breast cancer. Um, They've already decided. um, So say that, um, I don't know let me just give some generic yogurt name, um, a creamy yogurt. Okay. Creamy so creamy yogurt, <laughs> creamy fruit on the bottom yogurt. Yeah. Puts pink ribbons on their, um, the tops and they're like, okay, yes. So if you buy our yogurt, then the, a portion of it is going to go towards, um, breast cancer awareness or whatever. Number one, um, if you were to ask them, okay, where, where is what's the organization that it's going to, um, they might, well, they'll probably say, oh, Susan, Susan G. Komen or something else. But what they don't tell you is that maybe they're only going to give $20,000. That's their max. Oh, wow. So you know that their creamy yogurt is going to sell more than $20,000 worth of yogurt. Right. Where does the rest of that go? Right. In their pocket. So they can predetermine the cap that they're going to donate to breast cancer research or awareness or whichever prior to starting that fundraising. So it's actually a big marketing campaign where we want to buy a lot of stuff because we, as consumers, think we're doing a great thing and we want to do a great thing, but we don't know behind the scenes it may not be going where we want it to go. Exactly. So you have to ask the questions. Um, and you know, you go to all the walks and stuff that may be happening. I mean, I would even, you know, as an early stager, I would be asking how much of this money is going to go to research, mm-hmm. you know, and if you hear, oh, well, three to 7%, it's like, what the hell? Yeah. Where's the how much of, of your going? money goes to research for climb for a cure? 50%, uh, 50%, right? 50%. And the rest of it goes to? It goes to Living Beyond Breast Cancer, which does um, a lot of support for the metastatic patient. Awesome. And the cost of, I mean, it's expensive to put on any kind of a fundraiser or an event, right? You got to cover that. And and we, this is the donated funds after cost of the event has been um, taken care of. So yeah, we've definitely do our part in making sure, like when we say we're, Last year, we donated $16,000. Like That was $16,000 after the cost of our event that we were That's able to That's awesome. And that went to Living Beyond Breast Cancer and Breast Cancer Research. Yeah, Metaviber. And Metaviber. this year, um, we've added City of Hope because a lot of people that we know who are Thrivers that are, um, they do a lot of their treatments at City of Hope. 
So City of Hope is going to be one of our third don people that we donate to. So Leslie, and I know that, you know, I've heard this before and you, you said this a few minutes ago that once you've been diagnosed with metastatic disease, you're in treatment for the rest of your life, right? Yes. So aside from being in treatment for the rest of your life, how do you live with metastatic disease and live and enjoy life? And how's that impacted the decisions that you make right now to live the life that you actually dreamed about and wanted to live? Um, you know, they say that cancer changes everything and cancer changes nothing, um, which is very true. It changes everything, but at the same time, life still has to go on. Um, did, you know, and it, it's, it also has to do with, I think, you know, um, just my personal philosophy of who I am and what I believe in and how I want to live my life. Um, and I'm not, uh, I used to be a dreamer. I'm going to wait until this day to do this, or I'm going to wait until I have this amount of money to do this. And um, cancer really changed that, that my husband and I, um, we just decided not to wait anymore because, awesome. you know, time is limited. I mean, we all have a death sentence. Yes. Okay? We all have a death sentence. Um, mine may be a little bit sooner than everyone else's. Maybe. But <laughs> maybe. Maybe. You never know. Maybe not. <laughs> Because um, let's see, you're how many years out from what should have been two years? Two to three years, yes. And so you're I'm how many years? I'm seven. Seven. Seven, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we, you know, um, I did, shortly after I was diagnosed, um, I quit saying yes to everything, and my favorite word was no. So I stopped all my volunteer work for a while. Um, I stopped working. Um, I basically stopped everything because what I found out was I didn't want to be Leslie mom. I didn't want to be Leslie employee. I didn't want to be Leslie, um, you know, volunteer at school. I wanted to be who I was. And you know what? I actually didn't know who I was outside of all of the hats that I wore. So how'd um, you figure that out? So I took what I call my one life, my one year life sabbatical. Okay. And we sold our house. Um, in Corona, we moved down to the beach, and I basically took a year off from everything, including social media and all of that, and just spent a year figuring out how I wanted to live the rest of my life, knowing that I had a terminal illness, mm -hmm. um, and what was important to me. Okay. Um, and then from there, um, you know, it just kind of has come full circle, um, you know, I will always, what I did in my past was I was always um, the champion for the underdog and for the marginalized. Well, I just moved that and I just did it. Now I do it for um, the NBC community, the metastatic breast cancer community, and I advocate um, a lot within the community. Um, and one of the things that we always wanted to do was, you know, okay, when we retire, we're going to move to a small town and... And so that was always a pipe dream. And we were just like one day sitting down, we're like, what if, what if we just did it anyways? What if we did it now? Yeah. Um, and so we made it happen. And my husband was able to negotiate with his office in LA and he kept his job and kept his salary. And he just moved, works out of a home office here in a little town of Central Point, Oregon. Um, where we get awesome. all four seasons and <laughs> there's no traffic. 
<laughs> so when you took your life sabbatical for a year, you decided, hey, I want to be out in nature. I want to be, what was it? Yep. I want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to fight traffic anymore. Mm -hmm. I um, don't want to be amongst throngs of people where everybody's just seems to be stressed out all the time. Yeah. Um, because I knew that that just wasn't good for me. Um, so. Are you guys familiar with Marie Forleo? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Marie Forleo recently published a book, right? Everything is figure outable. Yeah. And in that, what she talks about is if you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out, right? You'll figure out like you did, like these are huge, scary steps you just talked about selling your home, right? Oh, I'm selling my home and I'm going to take a year off from everything and just like tune into myself and figure out what I want to do with my life. And we're so programmed to follow this you get a job, you have stability, you have benefits, you know, whatever, whatever we have this program. So, but it was so important to you. It was like, holy crap, like life could end at any moment, which it could for anybody, regardless of whether or not we've been diagnosed mm -hmm. with cancer. But it hit home to such a point that it was figureoutable, right? For you, you're like, we're going to figure this out and we're going to live happy. We're going to live the life we want to live. Have you ever looked back on that decision and went, oh shit, what was I thinking? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you're happy and you love it. So what do you guys do now? Let's talk about Climb for a Cure. And what is it? Where does it happen? When does it happen? And how can people get involved? Um, it is in Diamond Bar at the Diamond Bar Center on October 26th. Um, you can register online. Actually, registration will be open for a couple more days. But if you're here, if you're listening to this after, we highly encourage you to show up day of. Um, we've really made it to more of like, I don't, I don't want to say a party, but it's more of an event now. Like Starbucks will be there. They donate coffee for us. Um, we'll have a DJ, a photo booth. And um, it's definitely growing to more of a, a family friendly morning. That's awesome. What is, and will you be there, Leslie? Yep, will of course you be down you for the event? Will you yeah. be hiking with us? <laughs> I usually don't because I'm caught up in doing everything else. Yeah, um, yeah. being the hostess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we both hiked the first year, and then after that, we're like, "Whoa, there's just so much going on." Yeah. So much, I bet. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask Leslie. So you know, I'm sure as well as I do, that one of the most common experiences for women after breast cancer is depression. Mm -hmm. is the feeling of being lost, is that once we're released from medical treatment, we just kind of go like, whoa, I mean, the PTSD sets in, we mm -hmm. figure out what we've just been through, and, and we feel isolated and alone oftentimes. Like, So for me, in my own experience, I can understand that feeling of, wow, I'm supposed to get back to normal, but there's no getting back to normal. But I don't obviously have the experience of, holy shit. I am living with this disease inside my body because the first thing you think of when you're diagnosed with cancer is get it out. How do you get it out? Right. Mm -hmm. So what can you talk about for us? Like what, how do you, how do you process that? And how do you, how do you deal with that and go on and, and yeah, live with having metastatic mm -hmm. disease. It's gotta be tough. Well, I will say it is definitely a roller coaster ride. Um, when I went to my first metastatic breast cancer conference back in 2014, 
Um, I went in and newly diagnosed, um, I walked in shell shocked. Yeah. Um, because there were women that looked like me, you know, we were starting our hair, my hair had basically all grown back. Uh Um, so there were those of us that looked really healthy. And then there were those that were, um, dragging, um, oxygen tanks behind them. Mm -hmm. And then those on walkers. And I remember being standing in that doorway thinking, I can't do this. Like, because I was seeing my future in some of those um, women. And I also want to say that men get breast cancer too. So, um, so yeah, but I, unfortunately, fortunately, I had a mentor that I was rooming with and her name is Jill Cohen, who I lost a couple of years ago. Um, and she, she really was the catalyst for me of how to live with this. And she told me, Leslie, you need to make peace with your body. Because as much as you want to live, the cancer wants to live as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was, that was just kind of a, it was a light bulb going off for me. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I cannot hate my body yeah. because I have to live with my body. Right. And if I hate my body, then I'm not going to take care of my body. So I had to come to peace with my body and say, okay, you know what, cancer, you want to live, but I want to live even more. Yeah. So you know what, let's just go on. Let's just do this thing. And I really became a mindfulness practitioner and a gratitude practitioner. Awesome. Um, which I highly believe in. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate to be NED, no evidence of disease for, um, five years. Oh, awesome. Now, however, um, I've always struggled with depression, even before I was diagnosed with okay. breast cancer. So I've always been in some point seasons of my life, I've been on antidepressants. Um, and I will say that I probably I started off on antidepressants when I was first diagnosed, um, was on it probably for about two years felt really good. All right, I can go off of it. Um, however, in November of last year, I had this great idea. I'm like, I am going to go to my oncologist because I've been NED for five years and I'm going to tell her I want to take a break from treatment. Uh-huh. And she was like, oh, you're so special, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, well, before I agree to let you do that, she's like, we need to do another set of scans. Well, God forbid cancer came back. Um, and but those scans is when she discovered you had disease still. Yeah. Or again. My, yeah. So my disease had recurred back in my pelvis. Okay. Um, and you know, the, the shoe dropped for me and, um, I went through a really dark period because I was like, wow, I'm not as resilient or superhuman as I thought I was. Dang it. I love <laughs> it when we're superhuman. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I did, I had to go, I had to go back on antidepressants. Um, we did radiation, um, of the tumor on my iliac. Um, and I had to go on anxiety medication because I went through a whole period of PTSD Okay. and it took a lot for me to even get on that table for them to zap me. I bet. Um, and so, you know, I feel like 
Um, I, you know, went through that really dark time. Um, it made me contemplate a lot again in my life of how I wanted to live my life. Um, there were a lot of tears as far as my kids and my husband were concerned, you know, because, well, we want mom and we want my wife to be, you know, um, we want her to, with us. Yeah. Forever. With us. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, um, and then I, about a month ago, um, I started having really bad symptoms um, of dizziness and just really scary symptoms. Um, mm -hmm. And so now I will be scanned tomorrow. Um, I'll have an MRI of my brain to mm -hmm. rule out that it hasn't progressed into my brain. Mm -hmm. Am I freaked out? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they actually, because of the PTSD and my anxiety, I have been asked to put, be put totally out. Good um, for you. Yeah, do it. So, you know, it's taken a little bit longer. I had to actually um, cancel all of my trips that I had planned, which were probably even more devastating than the symptoms themselves. Mm -hmm. I even tried to talk my oncologist into letting me go backpacking. Oh. <laughs> my her and my husband are looking at me like are you serious and I'm like yeah kind of you're like but, I want a backpack yes <laughs> um but I didn't go so you know it's for the most part I feel like I have a very positive outlook on life um and I'm very grateful to be here um but that's not to say that I don't have my bad days where I don't want to get out of bed or it's just really overwhelming and tomorrow will be one of those days yeah. And can we just say that that's okay? I mean, sometimes we have to check out. Sometimes stuff is really hard right. and difficult. And I think as women, we think we have to shoulder it all. We think we, we should be stronger. We have to be able to do this. And then if we're not, oh, shame on me for not being the warrior and the hero and being able to do everything. We can't do it all right? It's tough. It's really, mm -hmm. really difficult. And if you feel like, hey, I'm struggling, I need an antidepressant, get one. If mm -hmm. you feel like, sure. this is overwhelming, I'm so anxious, get some help. That's Absolutely. why it's there, right? Absolutely. And there's and no shame in it. No shame. Don't okay. feel bad about it. And maybe you need it for a long time. And maybe right. you need it just to bring you back into balance so you can wrap your head around whatever is happening and then move forward from there. And then it's your choice if you feel like you're ready to change from that point. But I see so many women suffer and, and just not allow themselves to reach out for help. And I wanna say, stop it. It's okay, you know, get help, get support when you need support. And, and don't be afraid to say that. I mean, I love that. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk more about this awesome event you guys are doing. So on October 26th, we're going to come to Diamond Bar, California. We're going to do Climb for the Cure. How long is the climb? How steep is it? Are we climbing Mount Whitney? What's happening? How can we get involved? How can we show up? And what can we expect? Um, so morning of check-in start at 7 a.m we will have an opening ceremony at 8 a.m this year we will be honoring two thrivers that are no longer with us um, that were actually at our event last year so we will be um, presenting some plaques to their families just as a remembrance and 
kind of giving people a visual of really like why we are here and everyone somebody's been affected by it and somebody that they saw last year on that trail is no longer with us so that will be our opening ceremony at eight and then as soon as that happens it's get on the trail and take your time and go how long is the hike um, okay, so th this is where people get a little confused. So there's a shorter hike that's like a mile and a half, right, Leslie? Yeah. Moderate. Um, and then there's a second hike that's, I want to say, closer to two miles, but it has some hills. Um, but somehow somebody always makes the wrong turn. And sometimes they go on the harder side, and sometimes they go on the easy side. But overall, it's about a two-mile hike max. But okay. all age... Um, all athletic levels are welcome. My clients yeah. who are like 70 years old can do the hike. Um, and we encourage you to bring your dogs. We have doggy bandanas for all the dogs that registered prior to the event. And awesome. um, yeah, it's definitely family friendly. That's uh, great. And I'm going to post links to where people can purchase tickets and go to the event. But what website can they go to? What's the best way to get hold of you guys? Um, probably register.climeforacure.net. Or Instagram's always the easiest if you go to at make good moves okay. um, is our Instagram tag. We have officially started the process for being our own 501c3. So nice. by the end of this year, we should be a legitimized nonprofit and we'll be able to do even bigger things for next year. Awesome. Yay, that's awesome. So before we wrap this up, is there anything else in particular you guys would like this audience to know or hear, Leslie, about you, about being a survivor with metastatic disease, about your event, about anything at all that we haven't covered? Um, I think for me, um, being a metastatic patient um, and knowing um, that the advocacy needs to be continued because this is the overlooked stage of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not only in October, but, you know, um, year round, is that, you know, as people start to share, um, we really need allies in the community for metastatic breast cancer. Um, mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, I have a revolving door of friends, which means that, you know, that I lose friends all the time. Like I have lost so many friends in the past seven years from metastatic disease. Mm -hmm. And so you, in being an advocate, um, you know, there's only so much that I can do. So what I appreciate the most about this event is that, um, is that there's a Marissa out there. Mm -hmm. And if I'm gone, Marissa's going to carry on that legacy. Um, and for me, um, being a part of the metastatic community, that is the best thing that I could ever ask for, is knowing that somebody else is going to carry that on and be able to share um, the truth about stage four. Um, and, and I think that a lot of, um, you know, if we could get, there's, there seems to be a wall between early stage and stage four. And the reason I think is, is we scare the early stagers, right. you know, where they're like, oh my gosh, we do not want to be you. Right. But on the other hand, it's like, well, but you also want to learn as much as you can about metastatic disease in case you are that 20 to 30%. Yeah. And we should be doing 
no more save the ta-ta type things, um, flashing our boobs and our bras. We should be pouring money into research so that you guys don't ever have to be stage four. Yeah. That's where the monies need to go. So I love that. Yeah. And can I just say too, that I think it's important to understand that when we hear metastatic disease or stage four cancer, that we can't dismiss that as a death sentence. And we can right. look at that and say, this is not a death sentence. This is, this is a woman I'm looking at right now who's living life and who's loving life and who's been living and loving life with disease for seven years. And that we can't just dismiss people, oh, God, stage four, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> right. you know, like we have to understand that we can live with cancer. You know, so many times still I hear people say, oh, you had cancer? I didn't know you could live past cancer. And it's like, you know, all this money spent on awareness, people don't even know we can live past a diagnosis yet, for God's sake, you know? Uh -huh. So yes, let's pour it into something that's more meaningful, like actually helping to understand how to live with and how to cure metastatic disease or any other stage of it. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Marissa? Um, I, I agree 100% with Leslie. Um, we always go back and forth, and I think I just always go to this statistic and I'm thankful that Leslie is still with us and I'm thankful that I can still bounce my ideas off of her. But the long term is, is I might be doing this on my own in mm -hmm. the future. And it's we, we need more people who want to share what's really going on and, and be okay to say, Hey, maybe we shouldn't do that pink walk. Maybe we should do something else. Like, like, let's go outside the norm and start doing something that actually matters. So for, I always support Leslie and everything. What she says we're going to do and like advocacy-wise, who we're going to donate to, it's like, that is our goal. That's who we're going to do it. And my, my goal is just to be able to be the business end behind it and actually make it happen. So whoever she wants that money to go to or whoever needs the re like I I support you 100% I will never question that yeah. um I just feel like my my purpose in all this is just to make shit happen awesome and, and she totally she totally does <laughs> I know she does she does <laughs> I know <laughs> so yeah I just think like I just want more people if people are interested in how they can help or in the future um, volunteer or even I know people have asked us like how do we get it in our city and that oh. is literally something that we are working on and I will say probably in the next two years we will have another location so do you still need volunteers for your event in October on October yes. 26th we always yes. need volunteers yes, <laughs> yes. so yes. go ahead and reach out to us um we can definitely always use the extra hands for for handing out medals shirts leading people the right way, but we'll never say they would reach out to the same website in order to volunteer. Yep, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I, um, probably more the website or like I said, Instagram is going to be more of like a, an immediate response usually. So, okay. Well, you guys come on out. Leslie's going to be there. Marissa's going to be there. Yay. We're going to be climbing for a cure <laughs> and we're going to be hanging on to that idea that there is a cure waiting. Yep. Yes. So thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. It's been my honor to get to chat with you. <laughs> thank you for thank having you. us. Yeah. Thank you. What an amazing story. I mean, these women are so inspiring. And 
we know how difficult it is to get back to life after breast cancer, how when you get out of breast cancer treatment, just so many things you have to deal with. And as difficult as that struggle can be to listen to someone like Leslie, who is always in treatment and always learning how to live with this disease still in her body, but embrace life to the extent that she not only followed her own passion and her own dream, but that she is funding a cure to help other people to be able to live their dream as well. And she's inspiring other people. Just awesome. I love it so much. So check out the show notes for this episode, lauralimmer.com forward slash 59 where you'll find all the links to check out Marissa's website, to check out the Climb for a Cure website, to get registered to participate, or to volunteer to help give out those medals to all those other awesome participants or who knows, something else that might be needed. So I thank you for listening. And if you haven't gone to my website yet and downloaded my free guide, Four Steps to Healing After Breast Cancer, I hope you do that. It's a very simple four foundational steps to begin to follow after breast cancer treatment. And it begins to incorporate some mindful steps that you can use to support that practice and support your healing. And if you're ready to go deeper than that, come to my website, lauralummer.com, go to coaching and courses, and join us in Revivify. Revivify is my 100% online course that takes you through releasing the things that keep you stuck, regrouping your life and creating the support system, the nutrition plan, the exercise plan that you need to support yourself properly and reviving your life, breathing life back into that, getting an idea of the direction and the way that you want to live. You also have that option of joining our private Facebook community that has some amazing women, some thrivers in there that you would not believe who continue to overcome hurdles in their life, deal with the struggles, and support others who are also in Revivify joining us while they're still in treatment and overcoming those side effects and challenges in their efforts to get back to life. So I look forward to seeing you there. And I hope you come over and find me on Facebook where you get more motivation and inspiration and insights on a regular basis or find me on Instagram as the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. And I'll talk to you again next week. Until then, be good to yourself. Your mind is clearer than before Your heart is full and wanting more Your future's at the door Give it all you got No hesitating You've been waiting all your life This is your moment